The following documentary contains details of self-harm and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. He told, the doctor told me that she wasn't coming home. And I didn't register, that didn't register with me. I, I actually didn't comprehend that she was never coming home. It's a word that we probably use too much. I hate those shoes. I hate that singer. I hate this weather. I hate you. But what happens when this hatred goes too far? What happens when you cannot escape hate? With about 90% of people aged between 16 and 24 using social media, now is a more important time than ever to examine the world of online hatred. My name is Molly Cantwell, and I want to get to the bottom of why we as a society perpetuate online hate, what happens as a result of this hate, and what we can do to end this cycle. Throughout this documentary, you will hear psychologist Kieran Sarma, educator Philip Arneal with CyberSafe Ireland, and Jackie Fox, mother of the late Nicole Fox. So, what is online hate? Online hate to me is online hate. 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 Online hate is something that can cause a lot of distress and unfortunately like it's been around since you know online the internet has been invented like people have been mean um and because it's online you know people are braver like the bully or attacker can't see the impact their words and actions have on an individual. Online hate is where an individual or a group of people would decide to attack another person over the internet using mean words, trying to get them down. In my opinion, being behind a screen makes people much bolder because they can't see the real people they hurt or the real consequences they face from hateful online speech. In my opinion, online hate is just as bad as verbal hate speech and arguably worse because a hateful internet comment can be seen by many, many people over and over. So, it makes- so online hate is when somebody goes online onto the internet with the intention to bully someone or be negative, make people feel bad about themselves. So online hate to me is a way for I insecure people to... I would say that online hate live. for the majority is just... A online day. hate is kind of everywhere, like it's, it's Online bullying to me is like... Uh, personally, I think it's a terrible thing in the... Personally, it's hard to define what online hate is. Online hate is... Well, with my experience, um, definition of online hate would be to tear strips off someone that would be normally a happy, bubbly, funny person to bring someone down so low to think, uh, you know, to, to break them until they can see past another day, to strip people of their confidence and... Um, Online bullying is is made up of a lot of jealousy and drama, um, amongst not only girls, uh, girls and and boys, but in my experience, it was mostly girls. Um, you know, for people to think that it's okay to 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 annihilate and torment and torture someone online. A definition of online hate, I think, would be simply hatred that's expressed online. So. We tend to defi- 
define cyberbullying, for example, as any kind of bullying that uses technology. So it might be emails, websites, profiles, social media uh, platforms, uh, chat groups, anything like that. And I suppose in terms of hatred online or online hate, it's really any kind of messages um, that align with that are expressed online through technology. I sat down with Dr. Sarma to discuss online hate and why it occurs. He started off with a psychological definition of online hate. So from a psychological point of, view, point of view, when it comes to defining hate, we would typically in psychology define it as a very strong emotion characterised by a sense of um, often us and them and where this negative, sometimes destructive emotion is targeted at a second person or group of people who you distinguish as being different to who you are. To the extent that uh, online worlds and offline worlds are similar it is the same definition i suppose the difference is really the the media or medium through which we communicate hate and sometimes um i suppose historically that was done face to face or certainly through very direct tangible physical forms of communication i suppose with the growth of the internet there are now opportunities to do the same thing um online but what i really wanted to know was why why do people feel the need to spread hate online what makes people hate? In terms of the triggers for um, online hate and motivations and the underlying psychology of people who promote hate, I guess there are different reasons for it. Some hate, for example, the type of hate that we often associate with individuals who disseminate hate online, and particularly in young people, is often the manifestation of some, some kind of underlying vulnerability, where that person might have a sense of threat and they're projecting or externalizing that threat onto other people so you see that for example in the in the context of online bullying where there is hate often um, explicit or implicit in the, the bullying and the people who are doing the bullying are they themselves vulnerable in some way they've had distressing experiences that could have been that they were bullied themselves previously there's parental separation there's parental practices there's all sorts of systemic issues that can go on in the family home that can leave children feeling not so well psychologically and they can externalize that behavior in term in, in a form of bullying that can also involve hate the theory around hate is that we are much more likely to hate somebody who is much more different to who we are we target people who are different to us for example at the moment the big thing is hatred directed at asian communities because of the coronavirus and the fears associated with the coronavirus have been associated with, with people from that ethnicity. And they're seen as different, and it's the difference that allows us to hate, because it allows us to say they are not us. Some hate is impulsive. Bandwagoning is impulsive. It's where someone starts one line of, uh, of thinking um, or behaviour and others jump on that bandwagon for whatever reason because they want to be popular, they want to feel like they belong or to be accepted. And those who do it kind of impulsively are going to be prone to changing direction just as quickly when they're presented with alternative evidence. And I guess when people go online and they, they spread hate, they don't always see the consequences of hate. And when they are then confronted with it, all of a sudden they can no longer dissociate themselves from, from that, um, that action because they're confronted with the reality of what has happened. And it does lead them to change their thinking so disinhibition of, of aggression is i suppose the disinhibition of aggression as it pertains to the world in general is about the set of factors or um, situations contextual factors that allow us to engage in behaviors that we wouldn't otherwise engage in now in the context of the online world 
the one thing it allows you to do is it gives you a strong sense of separation between you and the effects of your behavior now if you were in, if you're involved in face-to-face -face conflict it's much harder to feel disinhibited when it comes to aggression because you see firsthand the consequences of your behavior online for example if you think about bullying when you bully online through snapchat for example you don't necessarily see who you've targeted you don't see them at home in their bed crying crying in front of their mom and dad trying to help ask them to explain what's going on explain what their feelings are how to problem solve the fact that they're being targeted by this child or other children from the from the, the person who's perpetrating the hate in this case disinhibition is served through being separated from your target and in the online world that separation can uh, is very marked so the general consensus is it's easy to hate online but with social media related mental health issues and suicide rates climbing especially in Ireland this is simply not good enough we tend to hear a lot of excuses when it comes to this topic. Cyberbullying or online hate is easier because it can be impulsive. There's no immediate repercussions. You don't see the reaction of the person you're bullying. But just because something is easy doesn't mean it causes any less harm. What really shocked me when researching this topic was the sheer lack of information available on online hate or cyberbullying statistics in Ireland. There is also a scarce amount of information linking suicides in Ireland and social media. However, one article I did find led back to a huge bout of suicides in 2017. In this article, the organisation Helping Others More Every Day, or HOME, claimed that social media and cyberbullying has seen the number of young women taking their lives spiralling out of control. This came after the suicides of eight young women over a 10-week time period in Dublin. Another recent study has found that teenagers who spend more than three hours a day on social media may be at a higher risk of mental health problems. Data from 6,595 young people aged 12 to 15 found those who used social media more heavily were more likely to report issues such as depression, anxiety and loneliness, as well as aggression and antisocial behaviour. So in terms of how hatred impacts on victims, I suppose what I would say is that it varies from person to person depending on the resilience and their coping mechanisms. For example, when hatred is directed at children, they typically don't have the coping mechanisms to manage it. They need a lot of validation and support from teachers, friends and their family in order to manage it. They don't have the coping mechanisms and they rely on people around them to support them. Contrasting that with people who are very experienced um, politicians, for example, or celebrities who live in the limelight, initially they will have struggled with hate and how to manage it. And then they will, in order to survive, have learned to distance themselves from the comments and see them for what they actually are. And most of them actually, at this, what they do is they block, they block people who, who disseminate hate about them. And uh, they stop following social media as a protective mechanism, as a coping mechanism, where they are very affected by it. But I suppose the, more, the important thing is that if you're vulnerable, when people direct hatred at you, it has a massive impact on your psychological well-being. And certainly, I mean, the, the hatred is a form of emotional aggression and in, uh, in the, the person who's targeted by it, their emotional response is typically fear. And ongoing fear leads to anxiety and anxiety, um, anxiety over a period of time has significant psychological and physical health consequences. So I wanted to talk to someone who has seen the result of online hate, someone who has to live every day with the repercussions of hate. 
I travelled to Wexford to meet with Jackie Fox, the mother of the late Nicole Fox, and I asked her to tell Nicole's story. Nicole was an ordinary, regular child growing up. She was uh, happy, funny, fun-loving, trusting. She had a lot of friends growing up. She was cheeky and fought with her brothers and, you know, picked up for them at the same time. First of all, it started with physical abuse. Uh, when Nicole turned uh, 17, uh, she was nearly 18, she started to experience going out into a nightclub and everything was fine And until she thought she befriended two people, which uh, she found out weren't her friends. They used to put cigarette butts out onto her feet. They pulled her down a flight of stairs by the hair. They would pretend to, to, to dance on the, the, the dance floor. Nicole would have been my height, five foot, and they would have been taller. So when they were dancing, they'd give her an elbow in the face or the chest. They pushed her so hard into a corner of a table in the pub where she actually dislocated her hip and was black and blue. And a lot more physical abuse. But then Nicole would still, I beg Nicole not to go out and she'd say, Mam, like, why, can't, why should I have to stay in? All Nicole wanted to do was laugh and dance and sing. She loved to sing and, and dance and, you know, and she would, before she'd go out, she'd um, actually throw up in the bathroom because she was so anxious of going out, um, which was never, she never suffered from anxiety before all this. I would stay up at night waiting for her to come home. She could only last an hour, two hours, three hours, and she'd say, Mum, quick, come and get me. But because Nicole still went out with a smile on her face after throwing up in the bathroom and she'd, she'd come down the stairs and she'd go, Mam, take a picture. And she'd stand there with a huge smile on her face thinking it was like a mask that she, she wore, you know, these aren't going to get to me. They weren't happy with the bullying then, uh, with the physical abuse, they went online. And there they told her every day, um, go die, hang yourself. They sent her video of a noose of how to hang yourself. And um, everybody hates you, nobody wants you around, you'd be better off dead. Slit your wrist, everything that that and when you're told something like that constantly, it gets in inside your head. Now also on, on the online they had made up a group on WhatsApp. They they started a group chat and everyone started jumping in and, and spreading rumours and spreading lies and all and before Nicole found out that this group chat was gone everything was shared and, and spread around by the time she found out about it which um, there was nothing she could do um, which made more people hate her then and join in with, with uh, the, the online abuse. She never responded to, to, to anything everything she's seen up about her, every nasty, even they, these people were cowards. They wouldn't even tag her in something because Nicole it would even say, even if they tagged me in it, you know, just to say, like they would do it a cowardly way, you know, but Nicole would know it was meant for her. They also made up a fake page called Saoirse and on that they threatened to um, beat her up so badly and leave her, leave her on life support machine. Um, I did go to the guards um, about the about everything really and because Nicole had turned 18 and I wasn't allowed to make the statement she had to but she, she said ma'am how could I make a, a statement against these 
you know, our life was bad enough as it is without being a rat as well. And that's what, they, you know, she would have gotten even more annihilated on, on online and physically if she, if guards had came to the door as well. Um, yeah, and th this continued for a couple of years. Um, Nicole, uh, in 2015, took an overdose and I thought that was my worst nightmare. Um, I had got her into the car, I made her get sick in the car and I brought her down to the hospital. We spent four days and nights in the, in the hospital and I remember the doctor saying to her, do you regret what you did? Or do you regret it? And Nicole said, yeah. And she goes, I regret it didn't work. And that was like major alarm bells to him. So that's why she was kept in the four days. It's got worse and worse when the, when the people heard that she had taken the overdose, I thought I would have stopped then, but they were actually claiming, one of them was saying, Nicole took an overdose because of me, and the other one said, no, it wasn't, it was because of me, and it was like a trophy that they were they were claiming, but then things got even worse again, they just never left her alone, they kept going and going and going, telling her, die and hang yourself, and, hey, and you know, constantly, and it tore her down, it tore strips off, it broke her, because every day then, she started not going out, she started to stay in her room a lot. She would cry going to bed, she would be um, sad and um, cry when she wake up. I often lay down beside her and cry with her. She says, Mum, I don't want to be here anymore. And the only reason why I don't want to die is because I don't want to leave you heartbroken. At this stage, there was about... 25 of them, 25, 30 of them. She starts self-harming herself in, in the room where she would get her nails and dig her nails into her skin or her stomach. And then it went onto her face. Um, but she just kept going deeper and deeper into herself. And as she was going deeper and deeper, these were getting, they knew they were getting to her. You know, they had her, they got her. And they always said that they won't stop. They always said they'll never leave her alone. And even if she didn't go, with the physical abuse, even if she didn't go to that nightclub and went to another one, they go to the, to to that one as well. They 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 were out together, and um that's what they did on the eighteenth of January. Um, I left the house at twenty past three, and I dropped my uh one of my sons to work, and I went on around to collect uh, my other son who was fourteen then, um from school, um. Worst mistake I did. I, I, I honestly believe now that I wouldn't make a difference, but back then we went to the chipper and I always said, if we didn't go to the chipper, would we have made it back in time? But so at 20 past three, as I said, I dropped my son to walk, collected my other son from school, and we got home at 20 past four, 25 past four, and myself and my 14 year old walked into the, to the house together. And for this split second, just one little tiny second, I um, seen the stepladder in front of us and I was like, and then one second later, I seen Nicole behind the stepladder. She had taken the dog's lead and she had hung herself from the banisters. Um, I screamed at Lee, help me take her down. Lee was only 14. And scream, take, help her take, get her down with me. And Lee had unhooked the dog's lead. Um, I put her down on the floor and 
I started CPR with her. I had to ring the, the, the ambulance while Lee ran out and got help from the neighbours. And I had the ambulance, the paramedics on um, loudspeaker. And while I was doing CPR and while I was doing it, I was begging her to hold on. She was still warm and her colour was still there. So she wasn't there that long. And I begged her and I was air then and I was saying, please go, please just don't go and like hold on and um, she got into the ambulance and she had, she had taken a massive heart attack in the ambulance and then um, she died but they got her back they they got her heart back and we got her down to a and &E and she was on a life support machine um, the doctor had said that she had extensive brain damage and that her, organ, her, her organs were going to start shutting down and so we had two two full days with Nicole so the family could come in and, and he told the doctor told me that she wasn't coming home and I didn't register that didn't register with me I, I actually didn't comprehend that she was never coming home Jackie has been fighting since the death of her daughter, fighting with grief, fighting with her own hatred, but most of all, she has been fighting to make change. So, um, up to date now, online bullying or torment or torture is not a criminal offence. Um, anyone can say anything or do anything to someone else online and um, nothing will, it, it, the guard's hands are tied. Um, I could go on anyone's page or your page, whatever, and annihilate you. And there's not a single thing you can do. And not only with, with, with teenagers doing it, like adults as well, or, or in the workplace, it doesn't matter who's doing it. Um, it it's not a criminal offence to, um, to cause someone distress or harm or um, cause them to self-harm or even worse, to take their own life. Um, there is no law. To protect anyone from from that it genuinely shocked me hearing this in ireland as it currently stands there are no laws to protect the victims of online hate there is nothing that the perpetrators of such severe online hate that leads to a person's suicide can be charged with so what is jackie doing nicole had passed away in january and in february i made a few calls and i had a few meetings in the doll and I had more meetings on top of that and I had a protest and nobody was listening to me, none of them, um, every, every TD, no one, I couldn't get anyone to even listen to me um, about what I want to do until um, one day I had a meeting in the, in the AV room in the doll and that's where um, different um, parties, different TDs from various parties would come into the room and now you could only get one or you could get two or three, it was only... Lucky enough, the room was practically full when I went in, um, and they were all from various different, you know, Labour, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, all different parties, um, and there's me standing there, um, barely able to even see over the, 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 the stand, and all these men in suits, and I was saying, oh good lord, like, this is, <laughs> this is it, like, I, I, I have to get into the, like, catch their attention, or, 
or not. So um, that day I did. Um, I had a powerful, a really powerful um, emotional meeting with them. And at the end of the meeting, uh, one of the TDs stood up and said, instead of working all in uh, separate parties, can we work together to bring in um, Coco's Law? Um, my daughter was called Nicole, but um, when she was born, my nine-month-old nephew couldn't say Nicole, and he could only say Coco, and that's where she got her name from. So I thought, oh, it has to be called Coco's Law. Um, we had a march through town. Every person had a, a single pink balloon, and we had a banners. We were marching to get Coco's Law. The, the, the TD started listening to us, and they went to stage, uh, past stage one, and then past stage two. And um, at the moment where it is, I um, one of the TDs put me on to Brendan Howland from Labour, um, the Wexford man. He um, took me on and also promised that he would call the law Coco's Law. The law is the Harmful Harassment Communication Related Act, but um, Coco's Law just sounds a lot better. <laughs> um, Ever since then, yeah, we've been we've been working on it. It's in stage three now. It's that's the committee stage, and that's where we want it. It's not up to the government now. It's the committee, and um, I have the draft for it. And in it, there's going to be um six or seven different laws. I um, I don't know what they they're coming up with yet, but I do know that online bullying, persistent online bullying, you know, uh, and and telling someone to 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 repeatedly repeatedly die kill themselves and um, to cause someone to stress or self-harm that will be a criminal offence I also another thing in Coco's Law would be the revenge porn where um, the, the boys and girls or men and women whatever um, are taking pictures of each other and you know if they break up or there's a row uh, people are putting these images then online that's not an offence up today, uh, right now, it's not an offence. You can put any images up um, that you want on the internet, and it's not a crime. Um, but it will be when Coco's Law comes out. Um, and there's a, I know um, for a fact that it could be up to a seven year imprisonment for uh, revenge porn because it, it it can take someone's life. It'll or 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 lead them to self harm. It it'll you know cause huge distress on someone. Um, and I know another part of Coco's Law will be stalking and um, not stalking physically but stalking on the internet and persistent you know pestering someone that, that's going to be another one and I don't know what they have what they're agreeing on just yet because it's still in stage three and um, so far up to date I have a petition going on um, let, it's my daughter's page let's bring in Coco's Law page and there's a petition on that where I need 20,000 signatures Now, so far I have 28,000 signatures so and this is I, I want to bring it in when we have a government because we've no government at the moment when we have a government I want to bring it back in and once you have to, over 20,000 signatures they have to raise it in the doll again so Coco's Law will be raised again with a new government but this isn't the, the petition that I, I'm putting in isn't to bring Coco's Law in because that that it that will come in and this is to get it out stage three, to get it out of committee stage and, and move it in, move it on up and get it in as quick as we can. But legislation can only do so much.
there will always be people who don't abide by these laws. What can we do to change the landscape of online hate? In terms of education, psychoeducation around the impact of our behaviour, online and offline and others, that curriculum should be part of primary school and secondary school education. And I think you probably find that it is dealt with by almost every primary school and secondary school on some level. People have to be educated because when when the likes of Facebook came out in 2004 and all these, no one was educated in it and nobody, I don't even think, would have any idea it was going to get so, so big. But there was no one educated in school about Facebook or WhatsApp or Snapchat then when it was coming out. But now, um, definitely, yeah. And, and I think the younger, the better. To teach them from a very early age of, you know, that it's not nice to leave someone on their own or reject someone or... or be nasty to someone and, and, and yet teach them past it because with the likes of the, the people that are on it now, what's got, what's coming up after them and after them and after them if it's not being, being taught in school? In a recent study conducted in Ireland, 3,867 children were surveyed. The results found that 92% of children have their own smart device. 12% of eight-year-olds are spending over four hours online each day and this rises to 15% of 12-year-olds. Some 60% of children were signed up to social media sites, including 48% of 8-year-olds and 68% of 11-year-olds. Almost all of the children surveyed were under the age of 13, which is the minimum age restriction on all of the most popular social media and messaging apps. We need to change the pattern to stop the cycle. Educating the future of online users seems to be the way to go, but how? CyberSafe Ireland is a charity and our mission is to empower children, parents and teachers to safely navigate the online world. So we do three things principally. Uh, first of all, we go into schools and we talk to kids about being safe online. Uh, not to judge them uh, or to tell them off, but simply to give them strategies and advice on how to stay safe. Because we know from collecting a lot of information when we go into the schools through an anonymous survey that most 8 to 13 year olds by, by the age of 13, almost 100% of them are already on social media. So that's the second thing we do. We collect data on what children do online and then we publish it each year in an annual report. And then thirdly, we do a little bit of work uh, advocating with the government to try and get online safety and digital responsibility um, on the school curriculum and also into the programme for government. The principal thing I think that ourselves and a lot of other organisations such as the Children's Rights Alliance, Bernardo's, uh, ISPCC, spun out, for example. What we're all really calling for is, is more government regulation of uh, social media platforms and internet service providers. Currently, as we know, a lot of social media platforms have their European headquarters based in Dublin and uh, a lot of those companies at the moment self-regulate. So if you have an issue with content or you have concern about something that's being posted, it's really up to the companies themselves through their internal procedures uh, and regulations about whether or not that content stays up or comes down. What we would like to see is that uh, legislation brought into place uh, and the establishment of a, an online safety commissioner where um, the legislative authority would lie with that online safety commissioner to demand that content is taken down if it meets certain criteria as established by the government. And then obviously if it's not taken down uh, after an agreed time period, you know, punitive measures were applied, such as fines, for example. The other thing we'd like to see is the establishment of um, sort of digital media literacy curriculum in schools as a mandatory subject. There is a push now to integrate technology in the classrooms through the digital learning framework, but we'd like to see 
a focus also there on digital media literacy and that would encompass encompass all sorts of things um, safety security uh, passwords um, fake news privacy settings oversharing all those kind of things um, and we'd like to see that as part of the mandatory part of the curriculum also the establishment of like a digital champion perhaps in each school or a teacher who's designated to to promote uh, and support this kind of work um, at the local school level. I think it's really important to focus on sort of online hatred and cyberbullying uh, at a young age because it helps the kids develop the resilience that they need to um, cope with the online world essentially. As we know as adults, you know, it's not always a nice place. And as an organization, we are very pro-technology. We're not about banning things or um, shutting things down in that sense you know it's a reality we know that kids are on there we know that they want to be on there and so we know then as a result the kind of content and the kind of things or experiences that they're potentially going to come across and so uh, for us I think you know the earlier that kids start to think about you know what kind of things are they going to encounter is it appropriate and if they do encounter that kind of thing uh, whether it's inappropriate content or whether it's behavior towards them that that constitutes bullying or, or uh, that kind of thing, that they have the skills and the understanding of how to react appropriately and what they should do in that situation. It's very hard to say whether it will get better or worse. Obviously, 10 years ago, it would have been very hard to predict perhaps the current landscape in terms of social media and technology. And as we know, it changes so quickly, it's very hard to say with any certainty. I mean, something like YouTube, for example, is I think 15 years old this year, and it's hard to imagine it's only 15 years, feels like we've always had YouTube. Um, so I think what really needs to be established is kind of social norms, you know, and that kind of etiquette around um, online behavior. You know, what is acceptable, what is not. And then if, if certain behaviors are by consensus deemed to be unacceptable, then that there are some measures that either the government or social media companies or internet service providers or people can take in order to combat that. And I think, you know, below it all really is that the technology itself and, and social media and these kind of things are, are fairly neutral, to be honest. They kind of enable maybe the worst sides of our characters as humans because it allows people to say what they want without any kind of um, comeback. Um, it allows you to post what you want anonymously. Um, and I think probably in, in many cases, a lot of the stuff that's put online would never be said or written in person uh, it's because we're sort of hiding behind this buffer this kind of wall of the technology so um, it, it's really hard to say whether it will drastically change or not hopefully that as we get I mean I think we have to remember that a lot of this is, is still relatively new technology and if you think about something like road safety for example like how many decades now have We've been promoting safer driving and, you know, not drinking and driving and these kind of things. And, you know, relatively speaking, social media is, is, very, is very young. And so I think as it continues to evolve, we have to really focus on evolving that kind of etiquette, that kind of um, those manners and those acceptable usage ideas around it. And hopefully then that will help to combat some of this kind of online hatred and, and the way that it is used negatively. I mean, what we'd like to see is, is this empowerment, I think, essentially. You know, um, I think there's so many positives about technology. I know myself as a teacher, you know, the ability to, to create, to participate in things, to collaborate with other people, just even the element of play that's, that's possible. 
I think all these things are very empowering things and, and it's kind of dangerous I think to demonize phones um, technology and we see a lot of this you know in, in conversations we see a lot of this in, in the media and generally speaking these kind of high profile cases that where something awful has happened tend to take to grab the headlines rather than the positives but what we'd really like to see is, is kids and parents and adults you know just using this online world to their advantage but in a safer and, and healthier way so you know I think even just in terms of balance and, and how much you're online how much you're doing online and whether or not it's even effective to do a lot of things online uh, or using your phone for example is also sometimes questionable so I think for us as an organization what we'd like to see basically is a is a safer, uh, healthier online world where, where kids and parents feel empowered to use it um, in positive ways and you know, minimise and diminish those negative sides that we hear so much about. Maybe we need to go back to the way of children and teach kind hands, kind mouth. Whatever it is we need to do, we need to do it fast. We need action at a government level. We need to do this together. Is there any final messages, anything else that you would like to have that included? Just... Um... I, because I know the law will be in, but I still need the support of everyone behind. Un, you know, until it gets in, because um, if I let let this uh, go quiet at all, I it'll be brushed under the carpet, and I'm not letting that happen. So um, it's for everyone to get behind me on the Coco's Law page. It's called Let's Bring in Coco's Law, and um, and there you'll see everything that I've done so far, or updates that we're going to be doing and um, I'm still doing a lot of marches we're going I'm going to do a march and talks in every single county in Ireland and then um, more in schools and youth clubs and you reaches but I need the people behind me and um, I started this on my own I've started to run into like hit a brick wall and it's 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 hard it's emotional it's draining um, but as long as I have the people behind me helping me to share everything and, and put it out there and highlight Coco's Law, um, you know, that's all, that's all I need that be. So just to, to go on to Let's Bring the Coco's Law page. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in this documentary, please reach out and ask for help. Contact Pieta House on 01601 The Samaritans on 116 123. Contact your GP or for immediate help, call 999.